Elizabeth Short, a black Dahlia, was an American woman found murdered in Limerick Park, neighborhood of Los Angeles, on January 15, 1947. Her case became highly publicized owing to the gruesome nature of the crime, which included the mutilation of her corpse, which was bisected at the waist. A native of Boston, Short spent her early life in New England in Florida before relocating to California where her father lived. It is commonly held that Short was an aspiring actress that she had no known acting credits or jobs during her time in Los Angeles. She would acquire the nickname of Black Dahlia post-mortem as newspapers of the period often nicknamed particularly lurid crimes. The term may have originated from a film noir study, that sounds better, film noir murder mystery, The Blue Dahlia, which released in 1946. After the discovery of her body, the Los Angeles Police Department began an intensive investigation that produced over 150 suspects but yielded no arrests. Short's unsolved murder and the details surrounding it have had a long, a lasting cultural intrigue, generating various theories and public speculation. Her life and death have been the basis of numerous books and films, and her murder is frequently cited as one of the most famous unsolved murders in American history, as well as one of the, the oldest cold cases in Los Angeles County. It was likely and has likewise been credited by historians as one of the first major crimes in post-World War II America to capture national attention. Elizabeth Short was born on July 29, 1924, in the Hyde Park section of Boston, Massachusetts, the third of five daughters of Cleo A. Short and wife Phoebe May Sawyer. In 1927, the Short family briefly relocated to Portland, Maine, before settling in Medford, a suburb of Boston that same year. Short's father built miniature golf courses until he had lost most of his savings in the 1928 stock market crash. In 1930, his car was found abandoned on the Charleston Bridge, and it was assumed that he had jumped into the Charles River. Believing her husband to be deceased, Short's mother became working as a bookkeeper to support the family. Troubled by bronchitis and severe asthma attacks, Short underwent lung surgery at age 15, after which doctors suggested she periodically relocate to a milder climate to prevent further respiratory problems. Short's mother sent her to spend winters in Miami, Florida, with her family friends for the next three years. In her sophomore year, Short dropped out of Medford High School. In late 1942, Short's mother received a letter of apology from her presumed deceased husband, which revealed that he was in fact alive and had started a new life in California. In December at age 18, Short relocated to Valheo, California, to live with her father, whom she had not seen since age 6. At the time, he was working at a nearby Mar Island naval shipyard on San Francisco Bay. Arguments between Short and her father led to her moving out in January 1948-1943. Short took a job base exchange at Camp Cook, now Air Force Base, near Lompoc, briefly living with a U.S. Air Force sergeant who reportedly abused her. She left Lompoc in mid-1943 and moved to Santa Barbara. Barbara, where she was arrested on September 28, 23, 1943, for drinking at a local bar while underage. The juvenile authorities sent her back to Massachusetts, but she returned instead to Florida, making only occasional visits to her family in Boston. While in Florida, Short met Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr., a decorated Army Air Force officer of the 2nd Air Commando Group, who was training for deployment to Southeast Asian Theater of World War II. Short later told her friends that Gordon had written to propose marriage while she, he was recovering from injuries from a plane crash in India. She 
accepted his offer, Gordon died in a second crash on August 10, 1945, within a week before the end of the war. In July 1946, Short relocated to Los Angeles to visit Army Air Force Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fling, an acquaintance from Florida, who was stationed at the Naval Reserve Air Base in Long. Short spent the last six months of her life in Southern California, mostly in Los Angeles area, shortly before her death. She had been working as a mistress and rented a room behind Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. She had been variously described and depicted as an aspiring or would-be. According to some sources, she did in fact have aspire aspirations to be a star film, a film star, though she had no known acting jobs or credits. On January 9th, 1947, Shore returned to her family to her home in Los Angeles after a brief trip to San Diego with Robert Red Manley, a 25-year-old married salesman who she had been dating. Manley stated that he dropped Short off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles and after that, and that Short was to meet her sister who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. By some accounts, staff at the Biltmore recalled that she had been having seen Short using the lobby telephone shortly after, was allegedly seen by patrons Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge at 554 South Olive Street, approximately three-eighths of a mile away from... On the morning of January 15th, 1947, Short's naked body, severed into two pieces, was found on a vacant lot on the west side of South Norton Avenue, midway between Coliseum Street and West 439th Street, in the neighborhood of Lerton Park. At the time, Lerton Park was largely underdeveloped. Local resident Betty Bersinger, Bersinger covered the body at approximately 10 a.m. while walking with her three-year-old daughter. Initially, thinking that she had found a discarded store mannequin, when she realized that it was a corpse, she rushed to a nearby house to telephone the police. Short's, Short's severely mutilated body was clearly severed at the waist and drained of blood, leaving her skin a blasted white. Medical examiners determined that she had been dead for around 10 hours prior to the discovery, leaving her time of death either sometime between the evening of January 14th or the early morning hours of January. The body had apparently been washed by the Short's face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears, creating an effect known as the glass glow smile. She had several cuts on her thighs and breasts where entire portions of flesh had been sliced away. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper and her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her buttocks. The corpse had been posed with her hands over her head, her elbows bent at right angles, and her legs spread apart. Upon the discovery, a crowd of passersby and reporters began to gather. Los Angeles Herald Express reporter Aggie Underwood was among the first to arrive at the scene and took several photos of the corpse in crime scene. Near the body, detectives located a heel print on the ground amid the tire tracks, and a cement sack containing watery blood was also found nearby. Loki a pop. An autopsy of Short's body was performed on January 16, 1947, by Frederick Newbar, the Los Angeles County Coroner. Newbar's autopsy report stated that Short was five feet five, five foot five, tall, five foot five, weighed 115 pounds, and had light blue eyes, brown hair, and badly decayed teeth. There were ligature marks on her ankles, wrists, and neck, and an irregular lacerate with superficial tissue loss on her right. Newbar also noted superficial lacerations on the right forearm, left upper arm, and the left lower side of her chest. The body had been completely cut in half by a technique taught in the 1930s called a hepichromotomy. The lower half of her body had been removed by transecting the lumbar spine between the second and third lumbar vertebrae, thus severing the intestine at the, the dundium. Newbar's reported noted very little bruising along the incision line, suggesting that it had been performed after death. Another gaping laceration measured, measured four and a half, four and a fourth inches in length ran longi- longitudinally from the umbilicus to the super- suprapubic region. The lacerations on each side of her face, which extended from the corners of her lips, were measured at three inches. On the right side of her face, in two and a half inches on the left. The skull was not fractured, but there was bruising noted on the right, the front and right side of her scalp with a small amount of bleeding in the sub subacronic space on the right side consistent with blows to the head. The cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and the shock from blows to the face and neck. Newbar noted that Short's anal canal was dilated at one and, one and three-fourth inches, suggesting that she may have been raped. Samples were taken from her body testing for a presence of sperm, but the results came back negative. 
Short was identified after her fingerprints were sent to the FBI via sound photo, a device which transmitted, transmitted images by telephone and was normally used for news photographs. Short's fingerprints were on file from her 1943 arrest. Immediately following Short's identification, reporters from William Randolph Hearst's Los Angeles Examiner contacted her mother, Phoebe Short, in Boston and told her that her daughter had won a beauty contest. It was only after prying as much personal information as they could from Phoebe that the reporters revealed that her daughter had been, in fact, murdered. The newspaper offered pay her airfare and accommodations if she would travel to Los Angeles to help with the police investigation. That was yet another ploy since the newspaper kept her away from the police and reporters to protect its scoop. The Examiner and another Hearst newspaper, the Los Angeles Herald Express, later sensationalized the case, with one article from the Examiner describing the black tailored suit short was last seen in as a tight skirt and sheer blouse. The media nicknamed her the Black Dahlia and described her as an adventurous, adventurous who prowled Hollywood Boulevard. On January 21st, 1947, a person claiming to be Short's murder, Short's killer, placed a phone call to the office of James Richardson, the editor of The Examiner, congratulating Richardson on the newspaper coverage of the case. Instead, he planned on eventually turning himself in, but not before allowing police to pursue him further. Additionally, the caller told Richardson to expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. On January 24th, a suspicious Manila envelope was discovered by a U.S. Postal Service worker. The envelope had been addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers, individual words that had been cut and pasted from newspaper clippings. Additionally, a large message on the face of the envelope read, here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow. The envelope contained short birth certificate, business cards, photographs, names written on pieces of paper, and an address book, the name Mark Hannison, embossed on the cover. The packet had been carefully cleaned with gasoline, similarly, similarly to Short's body, which led police to suspect that the packet had been sent directly by her killer. Despite the efforts to clean the pack, several partial fingerprints were lifted from the envelope and sent to the Federal Bureau of Investigation for testing. However, the prints were comprised in, in transit and thus could not be properly analyzed. Analyzed. The same day the packet was received by the examiner, a handbag and black suede shoe were reported to have been seen on top of a gar garbage can in an alley a short distance from Norton Avenue, two miles from where Short's body had been discovered. The items were recovered by the police and they had also been wiped clean with gasoline, destroying any fingerprints. On March 14th, an apparent suicide note scrawled in pencil on a bit of paper was found tucked into a shoe in a pile of men's clothing by the ocean's edge at the foot of Breeze Avenue, Venice. The note read, to whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the, the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I'm too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that, or this. Sorry, Mary. The pile of clothing was first seen by a beach caretaker who reported the discovery to John Dillon, lifeguard captain. Dillon immediately notified Captain L.E. Christensen of the West, the West Los Angeles Police Station. The clothes included a coat and trousers, a blue herringbone tweed and brown and white t-shirts with jockey shorts tan socks and tan moccasin leisure shoes size about eight the clothes gave no clue to the about the identity of their owner police quickly deemed mark henson hansen the owner of the address book found in get a suspect hansen was a wealthy local nightclub and theater owner and an acquaintance at whose home short had stayed with friends and according to some sources he was also he also confirmed that the person's shoe discovered in the alley were in fact Shorts. Ann Toth, Shorts' friend and roommate, told investigators that Short had recently rejected sexual advances from Hanson and suggested it as a potential cause for him to kill her. However, he was clear of suspicion in the case. In addition to Hanson, the Los Angeles Department interviewed over 150 men in the ensuing weeks whom they believed to have been potential suspects. Manley, 
who had been one of the last people to see Short alive, was also investigated, but was clear of suspicion after passing numerous polygraph examinations. Police also interviewed several persons found listed in Hansen's ad- address book, including Martin Lewis, who had been an acquaintance of Short's. Lewis was able to provide an alibi for the date of Short's murder as he was in Portland, Oregon, visiting his father-in-law, who was dying of kidney failure. A total of 750 investigators from the LAPD and other departments worked on the case during its initial stages, including 400 ser- sheriff's deputies and 250 California State Patrol officers. Various locations were searched for potential evidence, including storm drains throughout Los Angeles, abandoned structures, and various sites along the Los Angeles River, but the searches yielded no further evidence. City Councilman Lloyd G. Davis posted, posted uh, one a $10,000 reward for information leading police to Short's killer. After the announcement of the reward, various persons came forward with confessions, most of which police deemed as false. Several of the false confessions were charged with obstruction of justice. On January 26, another letter was received by the examiner, this time handwritten, which read, Here it is, turning in, Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police. Black Dahlia Avenger. The letter also named a location at which the killer would turn himself in. Police waited at the location in the morning on January 29th, but the alleged killer did not appear. Instead, at 1 p.m., the examiner office received yet another cut, cut and pasted letter, which read, Have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. The graphic nature of the crime in the subsequent letter received by the examiner had resulted in a media frenzy surrounding, media frenzy surrounding Short's murder. Both local and national publications covered the story heavily, many of which reprinted sensational reports suggesting that Short had been tortured for years prior to her death. The information, however, was false, yet police allowed the reports to circulate so as to conceal Short's true cause of death, cerebral hemorrhage, hemorrhage from the public. Further reports about Short's personal life were publicized, including details about her alleged declining of Hansen's romantic advances. Additionally, a stripper who was an acquaintance of Short's told police that she liked to get guys worked up over her, but she'd leave them hanging dry. This led some reporters, namely the Herald Express's Bevo Means and detectives, to look into the possibility that Short was a lesbian and begin questioning employees and patrons of gay bars in Los Angeles. This claim, however, remained unsubstantiated. The Herald Express also received several letters from the purported killer, again made with cut and pasted clippings, one of which read, I will give up on Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. On February 1st, the Los Angeles Daily News reported that the case had run into a stone wall. No new leads for investigators to pursue. The examiner continued to run stories on the murder and the investigation, which was front page, front page news for 35 days following the discovery of the body. When interviewed, lead investigator Captain Jake Donahue told the press that he believed Short's murder had taken place in a remote building or shack on the outskirts of Los Angeles and her body transported into the city where it was disposed of. Based on the precise cuts and dissection of Short's corpse, the LAPD looked into the possibility that the murder had been a surgeon doctor, or someone with medical knowledge. In mid-February 1947, the LAPD served a warrant to the University of Southern California Medical School, which was located near the site where Short's body had been discovered, requesting a complete list of the program's students. The university agreed, so long as the students' identities remained private. Background checks were conducted, but yielded no results. In the spring of 1947, Short's murder had become a cold case with a few new leads. Sergeant Finnis Brown, one of the lead detectives on the case, blamed the press for compromising the investigation through reporters probing of details and unverified reporting. In September 1948-1949, a grand jury convened to discuss in- inadequacies in the LAPD's homicide unit based on their failures to solve numerous murders, especially those of women and children, in the past several years, Short being, Short's being one of them. The notoriety of Short's murder had spurred a large number of confessions over the years, many of which had been deemed false. During the initial investigation to her murder, police perceived a total of 60 confessions, almost most made by men. Since that time, over 500 men 
people have confessed to the crime, some of whom have not even been born at the time of her death. Sergeant John P. St. John, a detective who worked the case until his retirement, stated, It is amazing how many people offer up a relative as their killer. In 2003, Rolf Asdale, one of the original detectives on the case, told the Times that he believed that he had interviewed Short's killer, a man who had been seen with a with a sedan parked nearby the vacant lot where her body was discovered in the early morning hours of January 15, 1947. A neighbor driving by that day stopped to dispose of a bag of lawn clippings in the vacant lot when he had seen a parked sedan allegedly with its right front with its right rear door open. The driver of the sedan was standing in the lot. His arrival apparently startled the owner of the sedan who approached his car and peered into the window before returning to the sedan and driving away. The owner of the sedan was followed to a local restaurant where he worked but was ultimately cleared of suspicion. Several crime authors as well as Cleveland detective Peter Mer Relio have suspected a link between the Sharp murders and the Cleveland Torso murders, which took place in Cleveland, Ohio between 1934 and 1938. Part of their investigation into other murders that took place before and after the ki short killing, the original LAPD investigator studied the Torso murders in 1947, but later discounted any relationship between the two cases. In 1880, 1980, new evidence implicating a former torso murder suspect John Anderson Williams was investigated by Detective St. John in relation to Short's murder. He claimed he was close to arresting Wilson for Short's murder, but that Wilson died in a fire on February 4th, 1982. The possible connection between Short's murder and the torso murders received renewed media attention when it was profited on by the NBC series Unsolved Mysteries in 1992, in which Elliot Ness biographer Oscar Fraley suggested Ness knew the identity of the killer responsible for both cases. In the February 10th, 1947 murder of Janine French in Los Angeles was also considered by the media and detectives as possibly being connected to Short's killing. French's body was discovered in West Los Angeles on Grandview Boulevard, nude and badly beaten, written on her stomach in lipstick in what appeared to say UBD and the letter in the letters T-E-X below. The Herald Express covered the story late, the story heavily and wrote comparisons to the short letter less than a month prior. Sue were missing the initials BD to stand for Black Dahlia. According to historian John Lewis, however, the scrawling actually read PD, obstinately standing for police department. Crime authors such as Steve Hoddle, son of George Hill Hoddle, and William Rossman have suggested a link between the short murder and the 1946 murder and dismemberment of six-year-old Suzanne Dengan in Chicago, Illinois. Captain Donahoe of the LAPD stated publicly that he believed the Black Dahlia and the Chicago Lipstick murders were likely connected. Among the evidence cited is the fact that Short's body was found on Norton Avenue, three blocks west of Dengan Boulevard, Dengan being the last name of the girl from Chicago. There were also striking similarities between the handwriting of the Dengan ransom note and that of Black Dahlia Avenger. Both texts would use a combination of initials and small letters. The Dengan note read in part, earn this for her safety, and both notes contained a small, a similar misshapen letter P and have one word that matches exactly. Convicted serial killer William Herons served life in prison for Dengan's murder, initially arrested at 17 for breaking into a residence close to that of Dengan. Herons claimed he was tortured by police, forced to confess, and made a scapegoat for the murder. After being taken from the medical infirmary at the Dinkson Corre Correctional Center on February 26, 2012, for health problems, Herons died at the University of Illinois Medical Center on March 5, 2012, at 83. Additionally, Steve Harold Hoddle has implicated, has implicated his father, George Hoddle, as Short's killer, citing his father's training as a surgeon as circumstantial evidence. In 2003, it was revealed in notes from the 1949 grand jury report that investigators had wiretapped Hoddle's home and obtained recording conversation of him with an unidentified visitor saying, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. They thought there was, they thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe. Maybe I did kill my secretary. That's basically all I have. Um, I need to go look up pictures of puppies or something.